Well, we're going to be reading tonight from Isaiah chapter 33. The title of the sermon tonight is The Lord's Attributes. The Lord's Attributes. Um, Isaiah 33 is such a rich chapter for us. Uh, we'll hear the Word of God, first of all. And there are many verses here that could be a great encouragement to all of us. Uh, we'll hear the Word of God, and then we'll seek to bring out the Lord's attributes from uh, this chapter. Isaiah 33 and verse 1. Are you destroyer, who yourself have not been destroyed, you traitor, whom none has betrayed when you have ceased to destroy? You will be destroyed, and when you have finished betraying, they will betray you. O oh Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. At the tumultuous noise, peoples flee. When you lift yourself up, nations are scattered. And your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers. As locusts leap, it is leapt upon. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Behold, their heroes cry in the streets. The envoys of peace weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The traveler ceases. Covenants are broken. Cities are despised. There is no regard for man. The land mourns and languishes. Lebanon is confounded and withers away. Sharon is like a desert, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their leaves. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. You conceive chaff, you give birth to stubble. Your breath is a fire that will consume you. And the peoples will be as if burned to lime, like thorns cut down that burned in the fire. Hear you who are far off what I have done, and you who are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid, trembling, as seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil. He will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Your heart will muse on the terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed the tribute? 
Where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more the insolent people, the people of an obscure speech that you cannot comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. Behold Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent, whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. Verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our law giver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Your cords hang loose. They cannot hold the mast firm in its place or keep the sail spread out. Then prey and spoil in abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. The title of the sermon tonight is The Lord's Attributes. The Lord's Attributes. And the method of preaching that we normally follow in Hilltop Chapel is this classical reformed model for preaching, which is known as Lectio Continua. What does that mean? It's a posh word, isn't it? Well, we're not here to preach posh words. We're here to explain things. It's the method of, of taking a book in the Bible and preaching all your way through, as opposed to every sermon taking a particular text and then the next sermon is another text and so forth. And, and both forms of preaching are, are valid. But the more common method is what's known as Lectio Continua which is what we're doing tonight. We're preaching from Isaiah chapter 33. Now, last week we looked at chapter 32. Uh, what's the advantage? Well, we first of all, we're actually looking at the book of Isaiah, and if you remember, the book of Isaiah was a favorite book of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in terms of the readings, Jesus came into Nazareth and he opened the scroll and where was it it was from the book of Isaiah what we would call chapter 61 and and there Jesus read and then he preached from the text and here tonight we're preaching from Isaiah chapter 33 it would be well actually there are so many blessed verses in Isaiah 33 you probably could be in a Christian conference sometime and there might be someone preaching from a verse from Isaiah 33, but it's normally only in the local church that you would actually get a whole sermon from such a chapter. What's the advantage? 
is first of all for the preacher he can't just dance around and take the bits that he likes you've got to be faithful to the text and secondly we need to be hearers who are hearing faithfully the text of scripture which is vital for christianity that we ourselves don't end up with a pick and mix form uh, of handling the word of god and so we have four headings for us tonight from this text there's clearly far more in the text than can be brought out in one sermon tonight but the four headings for us is number one the lord's grace because we're focusing on here the lord's attributes the first heading is the lord's grace the second heading from verses five and six is the lord's fear the lord's fear thirdly something that we don't hear a lot about is the lord's beauty the lord's beauty and our fourth heading is the lord's salvation so there are four headings and we'll look at the first heading first of all from chapter 33 and verse 2. now we notice it begins with uh, in verse 1 are you destroyer are you destroyer and we wonder you know where's this chapter going to be going well it goes where we would hope it would go in verse 2 isaiah though he is the uh, the 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 man who delivers the message it's the holy spirit working through him to bring the truth of scripture and what we find is isaiah here praise from verse 2 we're looking at the lord's grace but isaiah turns to the lord in prayer let's hear from verses 2 to 6 isaiah prays oh lord be gracious to us we wait for you be our arm every morning our salvation in the time of trouble as the tumultuous noise peoples flee when you lift up yourself uh, nations are scattered your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers as locusts leapt leap it is leapt upon verse 5 the lord is exalted for he dwells on high he will fill zion with justice and righteousness he will be the stability of your times in verse 2 isaiah begins by praying before the lord what does he pray oh lord be gracious to us is that our heartbeat tonight oh lord in the church be gracious to us he recognizes the desperate need of the church in his own day the church was in desperate need of a reformation of being brought back in worship to the living god and he turns to the lord in prayer and we have it recorded for us what he's praying oh lord be gracious to us we wait for you be our arm every morning our salvation in the time of trouble do you and i recognize how much trouble we're in in the church in our own day no matter where you turn we've been brought further and further to a sense of our own weakness and praise god for that because in our weakness perhaps we will turn to the lord and say oh lord be gracious to us now remember for isaiah he's praying oh lord be gracious to us and of course indeed the lord answered that prayer didn't he 
He answered it not only with uh, a number of decades later, uh, maybe a century later, who knows how long it was, when they went into exile because of their disobedience and God brought them back. But really, this prayer would be answered 700 years later. And we sang tonight, while shepherds watched their flocks by night, that 700 years later, there was born the Christ in Bethlehem. And John the Apostle wrote this. He says, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. How we need a fresh unveiling of the truth of Jesus for us in the church today. Would you agree? We're in desperate need for it. That we wouldn't simply, in our hearts, give a, a mental assent to the truth, but that it would affect our whole being that our whole being would be infused with a passion for the living God. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. What a wonderful word the word grace is. Grace comes from Almighty God. He's the only dispenser of grace. We're going to finish off singing tonight that famous hymn. It's so famous we, we maybe barely allow the words to sink in but we're going to be singing tonight at the close of our worship amazing grace how sweet the sound it's god's grace that saves us it's god's grace that sustains us it's god's grace that sustains his church from generation to generation to generation until the day when jesus comes back again Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. So the first attribute is looking at the Lord's grace and this prayer that Isaiah offers. Our second heading is the Lord's fear. And if you look with me in verse 6, well, 5 and 6, Isaiah continues and he, he says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. But notice here, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. What is your treasure tonight? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It says here, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. If I can be so bold to say this, I think over the last 30 years, I've sometimes wondered, do we as Christians of all different backgrounds and stripes, do we really esteem the fear of the Lord? Is in the church, I'm including myself, absolutely. I'm not pointing the finger and saying, this is your problem. We're all involved in the church. Is the fear of the Lord your treasure is the fear of the Lord our treasure and notice that other little phrase there about the fear of the Lord before them it says uh, the Lord will be the stability of your times and how pastorally encouraging this is we're living in days that are turbulent aren't they this time last week uh, things were carrying on and, and, and then the back end of the week the legislation changes and this changes and that changes and that changes. Uh, things are turbulent all over the place. 
But nonetheless, the word of God says here, the Lord will be the stability of your times. How we can glean such peace and strength from that. The Lord will be the stability of your times. Why? Because the Lord says to himself, I am the Lord, in Malachi 3 verse 6, I change not. The Lord has never changed. Not only in the last 3,000 years, he has never changed eternally. And so therefore we're exhorted by the Lord here to be reminded of this. But this one attribute we want to focus on before we move on is the fear of the Lord. We want to ask ourselves, is the fear of the Lord something we think about? Is it something that we pursue? Is it something that we pray for? Pray for ourselves individually, yes, but pray that the fear of the Lord would be very manifest in the very midst of the church of the people of God. Now, if we remember the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 11, we get this sevenfold aspect of the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember that, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of understanding, Spirit of counsel, Spirit of might, Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. And the sevenfold Holy Spirit, it's only one Holy Spirit, but the sevenfold aspects of the Holy Spirit came to rest and remain upon Jesus. And what does the Word of God say? One of the facets of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it says also of our Savior, Jesus Christ, it says of Jesus, who would be yet to come, that his delight is in the fear of the Lord. In Isaiah 33 and verse 6, it says, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And of Jesus Christ, it was said of him that his delight is in the fear of the Lord. How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? How do we further understand the truth of the fear of the Lord? It's certainly something for us to pray for in our lives, in our families' lives, and in the life of the church. Well, we will pray for this at the end of the sermon, but let's move to our third heading. Again, something that we don't perhaps hear a lot about. 33 and verse 17, our third heading is the Lord's beauty. The Lord's beauty. If you look in verse 17, there's this jewel of a verse that's found right there, and it says this, your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. While it's true of Jesus Christ in the flesh that there was no beauty that we should desire him, that's not true of the triune God in their fullness of essence which we'll get to see in heaven. 
There is something about God that's described here in chapter 33 and verse 17 that is beautiful. God Almighty, the triune God, is beautiful. And our simple eyes cannot see this until we get to heaven. And everything about the Lord and everything about heaven will be beautiful. And here we've been lifted up towards heaven. David himself saw something of this. You remember in Psalm 27 verse 4 what David said. One thing, David said, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Well, in heaven, the beauty of the Lord will be made known, but did you notice what David prays here? The one thing that he desires, that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That it's in the house of the Lord, the gathered people of God together, that God promises to manifest his beauty and his attributes. I read a story recently of a young man who was exhorted to not miss being in services on the Lord's day. And he was exhorted, you don't want to miss being in the services on the Lord's day, not simply because of the commands of God, though that's true, but this young man was exhorted that you may if you miss being in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, that may be a day when God comes in power. And this young man was exhorted in such a way. God's not promising to manifest himself out there in Tesco's, out there in Meadow Hall, but in the Lord's house. And that's what David says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It's interesting, isn't it? All the days of my life. We don't know when Jesus will come back, but it's a long race. And that was David's desire. Is that our desire tonight? Yes, in heaven, we will get to see the fullness of the beauty of the Lord. But there's an aspect for us to understand now is the beauty of the Lord. Our fourth and last heading is this. The Lord's salvation. The Lord's salvation. We've looked briefly at four headings for us tonight. Uh, firstly, we've looked at, at the Lord's grace. Secondly, the Lord's fear. Thirdly, the Lord's beauty. And lastly, the Lord's salvation. Well, will you look with me? Just a moment. I'll just mess my notes up for a second. Here we go. It was in front of me. The, Lord, the Lord's salvation. Verse 22. It's a famous verse. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. 
Now, those threefold officers of the Lord are meant to bring the people of God in Isaiah's day and in our own day to a sense of the fear of God. That firstly, the Lord is our judge and every one of us will, be, will come before the judgment of God. And while it's true that if we're saved through Jesus Christ that we'll receive a rich welcome into the Lord, that judgment's to be welcomed by all of us, that everything in our lives will be brought into the light. And so here it says, the Lord is our judge. Secondly, the Lord is our law giver. That God has given a law, and we don't get a chance to judge ourselves, that God himself judges us. And the Ten Commandments are just the beginning of what the perfect law of God is. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. It's a church that's in decline, that refuses to make mention of the Ten Commandments, that thou shalt not murder, you shall not covet, you shall have no other gods before me. It's a church that's in decline, that makes light of the holy commandments of God. Because it's before Almighty God that the plumb line will be held and we will be judged according to the perfect righteousness of Christ. And also the Lord is our King. Now in our own day we think much and think honorably of our Queen. But this is not the idea in the picture here. The Lord is our King is somebody to be feared. But a king doesn't come and negotiate with you. Not this divine king. This divine king rules over all peoples. People think they could run around, they can do what they want. And God, in his wisdom, he lets people run around and they think they're in control. Even the anthem of humanism, you know that? You know that, that we're the captain of our own soul. Well, he who sits in the heavens laughs at such foolish statements. God Almighty is the captain over every soul and the day will come that every single human being will be brought before the judgment of God. Now if we were left there, what kind of a gospel would we have? But here we have the gospel that comes through the lips of Isaiah, yes, Isaiah 33 in verse 22. But here's this beautiful verse. He will save us. He will save us. And indeed, he sent his only begotten son, the second person of the Trinity in the fullness of time, to live a perfect life. Not for himself, because there's everything perfect about him but to live a perfect life and then to live a, to go to the cross where he died a perfect but gruesome death. Why? For the salvation of sinners. And oh, the richness of the message of the gospel, the perfection of Jesus Christ. That we, yes, we put our trust in Jesus, but to be a disciple of him, we need to deny ourselves. We need to take up our cross and follow him. And we need to ask the question tonight on the 12th of December, 2000.
and 21. Are we still taking up our cross? Are we still denying ourselves? Are we still, like David, the one thing I desire, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord? Has our zeal waned? But we praise God for this sense of the good news. The Lord is our King, and He will save us. So what we come to a close of tonight are these four attributes of the Lord. The Lord's grace, the Lord's fear, the Lord's beauty, and the Lord's salvation. And it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can grip our hearts and minds with the importance of who God is. And in closing tonight, I have just a simple statement for us. Blessed be God for Jesus Christ who has saved us. That is for those who've called upon the name of the Lord in earnest. What a wonderful, beautiful, and blessed Savior that we have. But may we grow in the fear of the Lord.